KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington. Welcome to the Steve on the Street podcast, a closer look behind the headlines as public policy and current affairs impact the real lives of real people. Hello and welcome to the Steve on the Street podcast. I'm photojournalist and reporter Steve Kiggins. This podcast is produced by Northwest Now. Today we're talking about mental health. We're talking about loneliness and isolation and depression. We're also going to touch on the Seattle freeze. Today we're speaking with Professor Patrick Rowley from the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of Washington. He's working on a project that specifically deals with social isolation and loneliness for those 65 years or older and when that problem moves into clinical depression. And we'll speak about his efforts to design programs and services to help that group of people manage those symptoms. Here is Professor Rowley. So we've been working on the issue of social isolation and loneliness in older adults in particular, um, those folks who are 60 or 65 and older, um, and also when loneliness becomes more severe and develops into uh, clinically significant depression and some ways that um, we can develop programs and services for older adults to help them manage their depression. First, we found that rates of depression are pretty high among older adults who attend senior centers. And unfortunately, if depression gets identified and referrals are often offered, many older adults say thank you, but no thanks. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that there are very few mental health professionals who are available to serve older adults. And the other is that many people have sort of a stigma about having depression or reaching out for help. Um, so we found some um, ways to kind of develop the workforce and integrate some effective programs within senior centers, um, programs that older adults find more acceptable and they're more willing to try out. That almost seems counterintuitive if they're with folks that are their peers and with a large variety, that almost seems the opposite of what would make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's exactly at peers that we are training older adults with no history of uh, mental health expertise to provide these programs and services with our training and supervision and support. Um, but exactly, um, these older adults are finding it more acceptable um, to see peers for these services than to go see a professional. It seems like in the past the uh, focus has been on uh, folks' physical health, yeah. at least their obsession in the, in the body politic and the, you know, our neighbors. Yeah. It seems that that shift is changing now or to at least include mental health. Are we taking a more serious consideration of that as a whole? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, depression is um, more than our emotions, it also can affect the body, it can affect our energy, our motivation, our sleep, and our appetite. And I think there's increasing acknowledgement that depression is a medical condition, just like diabetes is, and worthy of some kind of care. It could be 
medication, but there are also a lot of behavioral approaches and other services that can help older adults with depression. You've got other tools. Right. You see the problems, you hear the problems, you think, well, I know how to address almost all of these. The layman does not, do they? Yeah. The, the layman like me have no idea. There's no way I can really power through yeah. what seems to be a tough week. Yeah. Yeah, so depression becomes a problem when it becomes more than one or two bad days, when those days pile up, become weeks and months, and in some cases, years. And so again, it's, it affects our emotions, it affects our bodies, it affects the way we think, and ability to focus and concentrate also. Probably gets away with us, gets away from us as well, right? We don't really even recognize some of those things. It's possible, it can be hard to recognize, especially if we're also experiencing medical, other medical problems. So, all right, I'm tired, I'm not feeling good. You know, is this my heart condition? Is this my diabetes? Or actually, is this depression also? Well, it's so strange to even now consider, because it just flies in the face of what I just said. We've been like focused on physical health. Yeah. Now there's a turn to mental, and to imagine that your mental state can manifest in physical ways. Very much so. Talk to us about what you learned in that, in that regard. Yeah, well, um, again, yeah, phys physical symptoms can really be big indicators of depression. So it could be aches and pains and low energy and fatigue over and above how we normally feel. Um, and so the good news though is that there are a lot of different treatments that can be effective. Medication for some people, behavioral approaches or psychotherapy, or these sort of peer or lay health delivered interventions that I've been talking about also can also be effective. Is it tougher when you're speaking with the cohort that you are specifically working with, this older generation, to either one, open up about this kind of stuff, uh, or even like recognize some of maybe those physical ailments they're feeling is even related to their mental health. Yeah, I think it's both of those things. First, it's recognizing that these physical issues or these struggles could also have emotional impacts and could be depression, but it's also that willingness to kind of, you know, kind of reach out for help and be willing to kind of, you know, pursue some kind of care. That willingness to kind of maybe open your mind and <laughs> recognize maybe I can't, can't do this on my own. Yeah. That's tough to convince, I think, anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how do you, what's the correlation between the older cohort that you are typically working with and speaking of about your studies and I guess the general body politic? Do you work with them as well? Are there some similarities with some of maybe those barriers about recognizing the symptoms and reaching out for help? Or is there really a stark difference in how they recognize those things? You know, I think, um, you know, denying needing help or needing treatment or having some stigma can affect anybody regardless of our age. But older adults come with a unique set of challenges, um, right? And um, a unique way that their depression can manifest. So I, th I just think it's really important for, you know, the, um, the healthcare, healthcare professionals to be aware and ask the right questions and for family members to be aware and for older adults to be aware and to speak up if they're feeling something that is staying with them day in and day out. What about the concept that there's likely not enough of you people, yeah. of those in your profession to actually help? I mean, that's yeah. certainly a barrier. Someone comes through all of these steps going to find a barrier that it's even tough to find anyone accepting patients yeah. or sometimes it's tough to get appointments that are even close enough together to really have any impact. Is that 
Is that just a reality of what we see in the medical field? Those are big barriers um, in the certainly the mental health field. There are a couple of innovative solutions. Um, one of them are, is integrated mental health within primary care. So we all go to the doctors for medical issues, and there are some um, there are some organizations that integrate screening for depression and other common mental health conditions within a doctor's appointment and potentially offer services by staff members and clinicians who work closely with the doctor there. The other innovative solution is just what I was talking about earlier, this, these lay health or peer deliver programs that we can offer within aging care settings like senior centers or even senior public housing facilities. We've developed, uh, along with my um, colleagues, a program that we call Do More, Feel Better. And this is based on some evidence-based strategies um, that older adults can be taught to self-manage their depression. And we don't necessarily need a mental health professional to provide that. So um, a lay health provider, a peer, can be trained to teach these self-management strategies and the heart of Do More Feel Better is to help older adults get in touch with some of the things that are important to them that they value and are meaningful to them, but maybe they've stopped doing because they've been feeling depressed and not motivated and not energetic. So part of the program is to gradually help older adults to pick up things that are important to them that can be mood boosters for them. So it's, it sounds like what I'm hearing from you is that there's a cohort or a group of folks in the medical field that either can identify these things that aren't necessarily in your field, but also some of the therapies, some of the treatments, um, or, or maybe some of the exercises, it might be a better way to describe it, is being uh, spearheaded or, or conducted by folks that aren't in your field. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. That's right. It takes... Um it takes supervision from a mental health professional, um, but it can be delivered by somebody without that real formal um, training and, and expertise. And following that, we hope, we're, hope to kind of offer this program um, nationwide, uh, a way for senior center um, administrators or leadership to kind of pick up this program and to um, deliver the program and offer it themselves. That's my long-term vision for this. Is the focus of your, your study and your profession just 60 and, and older, or do you also work with the rest of the cohorts, or what does that look like to you? Yeah, well, I'm particularly interested um, in folks who are 60 and older. I think they have unique needs and um, tend to be underlooked um, in yeah. the healthcare system and in society, so that's sort of my passion. I do other research in um, with midlife adults and those who seek care in primary care settings and the best way to integrate mental health and primary care as well. How are we doing? Yeah, you know, uh, some, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, some primary care settings are doing, um, really making great efforts to um, trying to build out their services and, and integrate mental health care. Um, Community-based organizations like senior centers, um, you know, many of them are making efforts to kind of pick up depression and offer and you know offer these kind of programs or services too as well. The recent Surgeon General's report on loneliness in the United States really gives us some data on that. That unfortunately, 
rates of loneliness do seem to be increasing in the in the country that I think one survey was conducted that as many as 50% of us in the country, you know, report being lonely. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Our, our networks are, you know, kind of shrinking. We are less active in participating in groups and other social opportunities. So that puts us at greater risk for, you know, more persistent mental health issues like depression. I think COVID really shed a light on, you know, thinking of um, loneliness and social connections as a real public health concern that we were just seeing, you know, really increased rates of loneliness and distress associated with COVID. Um, and I think that's still an issue for many vulnerable older adults that their, you know, social circles have really, you know, restricted and they have to be a lot more careful. How do we pinpoint contributing factors to that? Is this that we've got distractions in every pocket and every corner? Is it a mix of that? Is it that we don't necessarily know the folks across the hallway, but we live in more dense places than ever yeah. before? How, how do we correlate some of those things? Yeah, no, I think that's true that we as a society are changing and we maybe value those social connections less and we value technology more. Now, technology is great and can increase access to services and connections and support groups, particularly for, you know, marginalized communities, um, but it can also decrease the quality of um, social interactions that we have and make us feel less connected to other people. Is, this, this might be kind of a curveball, but like is, is seasonal affective disorder, is that still a thing? Uh, yeah, seasonal affective disorder is still a thing and it refers to that some people with depression are more likely to experience those symptoms at certain times of the year. That probably correlates with cloudy skies and maybe early evenings and... Yeah, it's typically associated with the winter months. For some people it is the opposite of the summer months. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Have you heard of the Seattle Freeze? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Have you experienced it? Yeah, well I moved here seven years ago, so uh, I definitely did notice a challenge as a newcomer to the city and, you know, meeting people and, and breaking in, yeah, so it was a process. Is, is that a cultural difference for the Northwest, do you think, or is this something that might manifest kind of all over our society? I feel like it's a challenge all over our society to, you know, particularly if you're uprooting and um, joining a new city to kind of find your place and build community. How do you get over all that? Yeah, no, it takes effort. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of um, strength and willingness to put yourself out there into different kinds of communities and um, see about developing some sort of ties. But it doesn't, doesn't just like walk up to us and, and like when we're ready for it, right? Like <laughs> it is a give and a take, it is a challenge even with those that are closest with us, yeah. is it not? That's a good point, yeah. It's not just gonna come to us that we have to put some effort into that as well. It does make me think though of one of the Surgeon General's recommendations for, you know, kind of helping us as a, as a nation to increase our community connections. And one of those recommendations is to kind of build up local communities and neighborhoods. And how do we do that? One is like investing resources in public parks and libraries and the transportation system and public housing. All of these are really important um, environmental um, kind of factors that can help us, 
you know, have opportunities to, to potentially be more connected to our neighbors and have more of a sense of community in that way. And literally an investment in public infrastructure exactly. could pay off with dividends with public health. Exactly, yeah. That just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. But it takes, it takes uh, being proactive, it takes investment and in, uh, putting resources into that. Yeah. Is there ever a point, I guess maybe this might be my last question for you, is there ever a point where someone has the ability to find their own bootstraps, pull themselves out of a funk, all in their lonesome? I guess it can happen, maybe. It, it can happen, but unfortunately that's kind of one of those beliefs that people can hold rigidly and insist that, you know, I'm not going to let anybody know, I'm not going to reach out, I'm only I can pull myself up. And yes, you know, I'm a believer in self-reliance and that, you know, we can do a lot to self-manage ourselves, but at times, and if it builds up day after day, it is okay and it, we would think of that as a sign of strength, reaching out for help, learning some of those strategies to help yourself. Yeah, we've got to break out of our comfort zone, right? We've got to get out of what makes us comfortable in terms of the people we surround ourselves with and the activities that we participate in. That might be able to help us break open our shell and meet new people and maybe even bring happiness. <laughs> so thank you to Professor Patrick Rowey from the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of Washington. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Steve on the Street. I'm Steve Kiggins. We'll see you next time.